This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. The recent elevation of Representative Mike Johnson to be Speaker of the House has brought up questions about the Louisiana Republicans' record and positions in several areas. And while Congress adjusts to a new Speaker amid high-profile fights over aid to Israel and Ukraine and domestic spending, one part of Johnson's record is well-documented, his opposition to equal rights for the LGBTQ plus community, specifically on gay marriage and protection from employment discrimination. Filmmakers Melinda Merker and David Miller have a new documentary for Hulu, We Live Here, the Midwest, which gives voice to the LGBTQ plus community in places that are not always hospitable to them. And they join the podcast to discuss their project and its message. It's more unusual here in rural Iowa to have two parents of the same gender. We both grew up in Des Moines. We've been here our whole lives. We've never left. Midwestern culture has an overall resistance to change. We are just people living in a community. Just two parents and a child growing up in the Midwest. We are probably one out of three black families, let alone gay families. A lot of people assume that we're brothers or cousins. We're just who we are. After I had come out, all of the energy got focused on to Katie and her preaching. I gave a significant amount of my life to the church. I desperately miss the church. Transitioning is a huge undertaking, and it's not for the faint of heart. I wasn't expecting, you know, expecting my daughters to be in my life. What my dad was feeling and why she felt like she did was more than just her. Like, there's more people out there who are like this. I very much believe that the bullying has re-emerged as a hot topic for LGBTQ plus students. The students believe that non-binary people do not exist. I'm here right now, so <laughs> we do exist. Across the nation, we're seeing a shift in who our political leaders are. They're mad at me because I'm an indigenous queer woman sitting at the table. And the death threats that come with that show that people are still shook that we're here. This is the all of a sudden, 2016 came, and it's almost like we went backwards. We're altering what defines a nuclear family. Our world is changing, whether people like it or not. That's the part that people don't realize. Do we stay and fight, or do we go? But where do you go where there's stability and safety? Because it does feel like at any moment, anywhere, it could change. This is the moment. Melinda and David, welcome to Political Theater. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having us. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, so let's let's talk. Um, we'll, we'll get into some of the some of the more the the, the politics of it, and particularly the, the speaker's record and what that says about kind of where we are. We're heading into an election cycle, but first. I'm just curious. I mean, the 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 two of you, you know, like the, this this uh, this will premiere on on Hulu on December sixth. Uh, how did you come to this project? 
uh, from, you know, like what, what was, how did, how did you two meet and, and decide that this was going to be the thing that you were going to spend uh, a lot of time and, and, uh, and, and effort on? Well, we were, um, we worked together on a project uh, a number of years ago about LGBTQ families and different configurations and how they came about. And that was very sweet and lovely. And then 2016 happened and it ushered in this backlash that was really scary. And as you mentioned, um, marriage equality, which had been such a joyous celebratory thing, was suddenly, oh my goodness, threatened. So we were curious as to how these families, LGBTQ families, were, were doing. And we chose the Midwest specifically because it is known as the heart of American family values. What do those values look like and who do they uh, include? So many of the people who you talk to, and, and you talk to the, you, you pack a lot into um, a, a very you know concise documentary. It runs under an hour, um, but you talk to families in Iowa, in Ohio, in Kansas, in Nebraska, uh, in Minnesota. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of voices in this. A lot of people kind of living their lives, and also a lot of people are. Are, have a background in the church, you know, and, and I mean, they, they grew up in, in, in the same sort of setting as, uh, as a lot of where the criticism is coming. Um, and that, that must've been just, you know, kind of heart wrenching to hear people. I mean, there, there's, there's a, there's one couple who just talks about how they had to leave, you know, the church after, you know, spending their entire lives there. Yeah. I mean, it, it was really important for us to choose a diverse, not only diverse cast, but, you know, along the spectrum of the whole G- LGBTQ plus um, arena. And uh, I think that when Katie describes how traumatic it was for her to leave the church, when it was the church that taught her to love Nia. Um, that was a, a couple really in Iowa moment. who sort of starts the, the, the film, you know? Yeah. I mean, they were, you know, they were high school sweethearts. They married, they had four children. And then after the fourth child, um, uh, you know, Nia transitioned and then they had a fifth child and they stayed together, which I thought was a fascinating story in and of itself. Uh, we were unaware until we actually started filming um, how upset Katie was with the church and how hard she was having the time to deal with it. And did anybody hesitate to to sort of revisit some of these issues? I mean, the, you know, you, you, you mentioned, Melinda, that, you know, coming off of years of sort of steady progress for equal rights, including, you know, the Supreme Court's decision that legalized uh, gay marriage nationwide. 2016 started a, a very consistent backlash. And we've seen this with, you know, the Ron DeSantis, you know, is, is sort of trumpeted his, uh, you know, the, the don't say gay bill, you know, that he signed in, in Florida. I mean, it's become sort of the coin of the realm for a number of politicians. Was anybody hesitant to talk uh, and, and go kind of on the record? I could understand being a little hesitant about that. Yes. Uh, In fact, there were a number of families who did not feel that they could participate. They were certainly interested in the project, but they feared for, you know, any sort of retribution within their communities, particularly at the at their jobs. You know, that's your livelihood, uh, which we understood, which is also why we refer to our families as courageous families. Beyond being LGBTQ plus, the fact that they were able to come forward and share their stories in in situations and communities that may engender also increasing backlash. 
Yeah, I, I was I, I was struck too at just the the diversity just in in what people do for a living and and where where they were in the Midwest. Some people were in cities, you know, um, uh, you know, in, in Des Moines. Some people were uh, in the Air Force uh, and and actually felt more at home. It seemed in the Air Force, which you know a lot, a lot of progress started with the uh, you know like you know the repeal of don't. Don't ask, don't tell. Uh, but I found that sort of fascinating. That in you know, like you have very small towns. You have a military installation. Uh, one of the, you, you have a, you uh, focus on a, a caucus, uh, an equality caucus in the Minnesota House of Representatives, um, and it's it just seems like there it, it's such a wide tapestry. And again, I don't know how you got this all into an hour <laughs> uh, because there's just so many voices. You know, one of the things that we've heard from people. Uh, after they've watched it is they're really rooting for these people and they wish that they had, you know, that they could see more and we would have loved to have been able to include more. And so perhaps, you know, perhaps there's another project down the line where we can do something a little bit longer, but uh, it, it, we do pack in a lot of information in a very straightforward manner that was really well thought out. And Melinda had a very sort of a vision for how she wanted to create these little story arcs within the film. For us, it was a way to touch on these, um, very specific issues. As as you mentioned, some people were facing uh, discrimination within the church. Other people were facing that within the school and how they were able to, or just within their own families. I think yeah. what was interesting for us is um, after the, you know, be, even before marriage equality passed, if you were an out LGBTQ plus person, you often had to present as the perfect family in order to be acceptable. And we were hoping that we got to the point where families could be like any other family, which also meant messy. So right. in some ways, so we deal with uh, are the effects there are of gay screw ups out there. There are gay <laughs> screw ups out there. Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the thing. And we wanted to show that, for example, with Jeb, Deb and Jen, you know, how, Jen's transition affected the whole family and reverberated throughout that, that sometimes it's not such an easy process and what that looks like. And they're also handling the effects of, you know, children handling the effects of a divorce. So we didn't, we didn't want yeah. to shy away from that. And we didn't want to also say, geez, these are all external issues. They are external issues, but they complicate sometimes, you know, what, any other family is feeling and dealing with. Yeah. And part of our goal here was to show that these families are very much like any other family. You know, they have financial burdens, they have health issues that they have to deal with. And it was important for us to go, you know, to the heartland to, as Melinda earlier said, you know, family values, because these, these families also have family values. You know, it, it, it's not much unlike anybody else. And, and Michaela brought up a very interesting thing, you know, when her father transitioned, she said there's usually so much emphasis and so much about the person that is struggling with their transition and what they have to go through. But there's very little dialogue of what it's like for the people around them. And it was interesting that, that she touched upon that because, you know, I, I, Melinda and I thought about that and like, yeah, you don't really hear too many stories about that. And so it was important to get that to, to to be able to, to to show that for an audience to see. And so, yes, we did pack in a lot in that hour. Um, but I think it's, you know, we really made it tight and concise and, and really hope that people can think about this and perhaps change their views of what they may have thought or what they don't know 
about what it's like to be a gay family. And that was also important for us. Yeah, I was I was particularly struck with the with the family you just mentioned that that the it works itself out, but you can tell that there's still some tension there, um, like like any family. Uh, and, and you know that this this isn't just a a situation where you know it's like it it just it happens and there's maybe a little awkwardness and then everybody moves on and you know cue cue credits uh, and happy happy time music. Uh, I mean the the there's a struggle. I mean they you know the the um, you know the the kids, uh, you know, the, and and the ex wife, you know, are are uh, you know very upfront about how painful and awkward and expensive, um, you know, like it, it was all these sort of issues that sometimes don't get explored. I, I think in in just the broader cultural set, you know, like that the, there's the there's the cult there's the societal effect and then there's this effect on individual families and it's 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 really it's it's quite a it's a it's a complicated turn uh there and in fact again as david said that was deliberate to include that but we also wanted the goal was not to in in putting together the film to be in any way uh preachy we wanted people to fall into these stories as any good story and good stories are often complicated. So that was a deliberate choice that you end up in some situations. It's so obvious you're rooting for these families. And in other situations, you're really identifying with these families saying, oh, my gosh, you know, we're going through this divorce. And, you know, I, identification with someone doesn't always happen in a good way. Most of us aren't perfect families. Me and Katie, in some ways, feel like the perfect family. And that's not I don't know. 80% of us out there. So that was a deliberate choice to, to focus on the, the external effects of, you know, being expelled from your church, having your child bullied in school, but then to, at the very end, look at, gosh, you know, what are the reverberations of transition itself? And as David said, how does that affect family? And what was great about Trish, the ex-wife is, you know, I'm sure many people will initially think of her, well, she was a victim, you know, her husband left her and transitioned, but she stuck with it and she really tried to make a, a, a point for her, her children to learn more about what it is like for the trans community and what that's like. And, and she, she has stuck together and, you know, they still speak to one another. So, you know, here, here is a woman who uh, people may think, wow, you know, she really had it tough, but she's, she's managed to pull through on this and they've been able to reestablish a bond of some sort to be able to, to, to still parent their children. And I think that that was also important to show, you know, that, that there's some resilience here. Yeah. And, and I think that, and I'm going to start sort of transitioning to some of the political stuff, you know, here, because I think that this, what's, what's very interesting about it too, is that because the framework is within the Midwest, um, you know, this is, it, it takes away this idea that like, um, that equal rights for people is some sort of uh, woke construct uh, from the co- from coastal elites who live in West Hollywood and Greenwich Village. Uh, I mean, you know, this, this you know, we've got a we've got a couple who's farming, literally, like you know, scooping poop and 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 milking goats uh, and, and so forth. Uh, and and it doesn't, you know, and I as being being somebody who grew up on a cattle ranch in Arizona. Um, you know, I, I've, I've always, I've always, you know, wondered, like there, there's so many rich stories, political stories, you know, it, everywhere you look, not just in, 
Washington and New York and <laughs> California. Um, and I wonder, I mean, it just, there is this weird retro vibe uh, with, with some of the comments uh, from, from speaker Johnson. I mean, even, you know, we, we had a Christmas tree lighting um, and I had not heard the reason for the season in a long time. Um, you know, and, and, and that was, but that was part of what he was talking about with the, you know, the Christmas, tr- Christmas season and so forth. And I, and I feel like, is this talk about your reactions? I mean, obviously this, this film was, oh, pardon me, I hit my mic. Uh, this film was, uh, your, your project was in, post-production or even ready for the shoot, right? Uh, by the time Johnson was uh, selected as Speaker of the House. Um, but what was going through your mind as you're learning about Mike Johnson? Um, because it, it to me, it, it's there's a lot of almost 1990s culture war like cliches that that are coming out, you know, family values and and things like this. And I realize that some of the stuff that that has come up uh, are, are things that he wrote. 20 years ago. So some of the language that we're seeing in in the positions is dated, but he doesn't seem to back. He hasn't really backed away from those positions either. He hasn't, you know, when we started this film, it was in reaction to the 2016 election, as Melinda earlier said, two years later, now that we've shot it, we've been into these families. uh, There is more fear now, I think amongst the LGBTQ people. I mean, this year alone saw the greatest amount of, uh, anti-gay and anti-trans legislation uh, or bills into into legislation this year alone, as well as, you know, the number three most powerful individual in government holding these discriminatory views. I think there's a real danger uh, for the the LGBTQ plus community. In in Iowa, um, you know, uh, Nia and Katie mentioned, you know, 13 years ago, you know, at the time that it was filmed, you know, Iowa had actually was on, on the vanguard of, of gay rights. Uh, And, and now they're, they're questioning whether that kind of thing is going to hold. And, and what is, is it, what do you think is, is it work here? You know, because it, it's, um, it is, it does seem to be a a situation where there is a, it's, it's not even so much backlash is that this is part of the agenda now has it always been there or was there a time when it felt as if like there was just going to be progress in one direction for for you know because it, it seems like it it's been a steady buildup since you said 2016 um and now it's just a you know it's just the agenda for one political party i i would think or how it feels anyway, that it was always sort of there. It was under the surface. And that after the election, um, it was okay to give voice to that discrimination, to that hatred in many ways. Um, And it was fueled. I also think sometimes with the passage of marriage equality, the uh, the minute it was codified, you know, it went from don't ask, don't tell, to okay, this is real that's when people feel empowered to speak out against it. It's a little, um, I don't know quite what the right word is, but, it, you know, they, they feel that, gosh, this is so in my face in a way that now I can stand up to it and express these views in a really outward, ugly way. Well, you also didn't, it, it didn't help that you had a president that was also, you know, served as a role model to be able to speak out against things and, and you know, make fun of people. So that, that certainly didn't help matters. 
And I, I, I wonder too about the, I, I remember it was at the convention in Cleveland in 2016. And when Donald Trump was giving his, you know, his keynote speech, he, I mean, he very much leaned in and, and said, I will protect the LGBTQ community. And, and even at that point, you know, in, in 2016, not as many people were putting the Q on to the LGBT. And I, and I thought like, well, that's, odd because that i mean that 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 seems like something like i don't know what what speechwriter had had worked on that but but it, it seemed like you know sort of out of the blue and then of course you know the actions of the administration were just the opposite of that but i was wondering what you thought you know like when you if if you if you're cued into that uh i could you can be forgiven for not wanting to spend a lot of time listening to political convention speeches but what was going through your mind with in that moment because i very distinctly remember that i was in the hall and i thought like oh that's that's interesting well you know i, I you know i will even give trump the benefit of the doubt he may have truly thought that you know i we know you know there's the, we know that his daughter had many gay friends and was in amongst many gay circles. Um, and probably when he said that, I think that there was a faction of the Republican Party that did not like that. And I think that that was a beginning point to say like, no, no, you're going a little too far. Here. This is not the way we want to go. And now I think Trump just, you know, is he's, he's banded to that section where he does not want to give the rights that we deserve. It's, it's odd. Yeah, you, you would think that it would be very difficult not to know you know, people in, in, in the community, if you're in New York real estate and finance, <laughs> um, and, and, and it's possible, you know, that he knows fewer now that he is more sequestered into a, a political life. It, it seems like it's, it may be easier to be, to put the blinders on, uh, as you get more into politics, which is ironic because politics is supposed, supposed to be about bringing people of different, you know, value systems and communities together, as opposed to New York, Real estate, but I mean, what do I know? <laughs> mm. <laughs> you look yeah. like you're about to say something, Melinda. Uh, well, I, I mean, I always felt that Trump goes where the votes are and where the most adulation is, where people will speak out with the greatest voice. And I do believe that's a minority of people, but they're very loud in their discrimination. And yeah, I think he goes, this is, this is where my most vocal supporters are. So I will, as David said, I will abandon what was probably a genuine acceptance of the LGBTQ community because I'm more interested in the ascension of my political career. So for, you know, we're sort of getting towards the end of the the year for Congress. They're debating all kinds of things. They're they're not under the threat of a shutdown, which is a a change uh, for the last few months. Um, What? What do you think would be the key to getting some somebody like Mike Johnson to see to to empathize, you know, with with the message, you know, with the people uh, in in your film, this and and the, and the stories behind them, um, and and people who are would would also be going along with his positions on uh, LGBTQ rights because it seems like get how to get out of the echo chamber, so, so to speak. Like, what's the What's the key there? Because I was very struck by one one of the couples. It was a uh, two two black uh, men who, in Nebraska, and they they moved in. This is the the ones that stationed in the Air Force, and their neighbors. They were they were saying like, I can't believe my neighbors voted for Trump, but we love them and they love us, and it's just great. I mean, is it as simple as those sort of small human connections? 
In some ways, in other ways, I think to us, it's it's thinking something all the way through. Nia says in the film, um, to her, what she she wants people to know is, this isn't we're not just issues; we're people. That these are popular issues now, for better or worse. So I think if 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 by you know almost by accident, you know, again, you fall into the story, you're rooting for these people, you're understanding these people, that the next time you go to vote, you think, instead of thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me, which is different than being against a community. It is just not embracing a community or simply being aware of of <laughs> how these issues affect this, how this legislation affects this community. So I, I think, I like to think there's a possibility that people will just think beyond it's not necessarily changing their views. It is thinking past the limitations of what they've thought before. Now, extremist views in any around any topic are extremist views. And I, I don't, you know, I don't think there's too much you can do about those views. Yeah, you know, I, I heard an interview with Secretary Buttigieg and he said, wow, you know, I would love the speaker to come to my house and see me and my husband Chasden and how we deal with our kids. Um, you know, I don't know if the speaker will take him up on that, but hopefully, you know, hopefully he will. And hopefully the people that have these views will recognize that gay families are not much different than any other family. I, uh, I, I think that's a, that's all I have. Uh, would any, either one of you like to, uh, you know, uh, have anything left un, unsaid? I, I do, do you want to just n- note again that the uh, documentary premieres on Hulu on December 6th uh, streaming for those of you who have Hulu uh, subscriptions, but I will leave the sort of the final words uh, to, make, to see, make sure that we haven't left anything uncovered. Well, to me, I think it's simply saying th- these are good stories. It's not about specifically these are, yes, of course, the subjects in the film are LGBTQ, but that is not the reason to necessarily watch the film. The reason to watch the film is to, 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 to fall for the stories, to fall in the stories, to care about these people and to put that first, to not necessarily say, well, this is, this is marginal content that doesn't apply to me. But hopefully to say, gosh, I just want to, you know, hopefully watch a good film and whatever happens after that, you know, in a positive way is fantastic. But the real reason to watch the film is to, you know, you're going to enjoy this experience. December 6th, Hulu. Well, David, Melinda, thank you so much um, for for taking some time to talk about the film. Uh, Melinda, you're the director. Uh, David, you're the executive producer, and also featuring stills, still photography. I noticed uh, and stills as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on uh, Political Theater and and talking about your movie. And uh, wish you all the best. Thank, thank you. you for having thank us. Thank you very much.